very warm welcome to the fourth episode of the Educo Community Podcast. I am your host, Colin Robertson. So usually on these podcasts, I interview an expert on their topic, how they use their advice in their real life, and the practical steps you can take to make a meaningful difference in your life. But Educo Community is ultimately not just about expert advice to get started or take the first steps. It's about helping you at every single step that it takes on the journey towards solving your problems and achieving your biggest goals. So for the fourth episode, I wanted to share with you a podcast interview that I did about a year ago when I had just come up with the idea that would eventually turn into Educo Community. The podcast is with Rajiv Nathan and Martin McGovern, the co-founders of Idea Lemon, an organization dedicated towards helping people make their ideas a reality. We talked about how to find meaning in work, the finding the right metrics of success, and I shared with them for the first time the idea that I had for a company called Reverberation, but would eventually become Educo Community as it is today. Thanks to their help and to the help of the experts that uh, you've heard from so far and countless other people in my life since then, uh, Educo Community has gone from an idea into a reality. And I wanted to share with you one of the first steps that it took to get there. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Rajiv and Martin. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to Idea Lemon's Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. My name is Rajiv Nathan, a.k.a. The Raj Nation. I am the Idea Lemon co-founder and your show's co-host. I'm alongside my co-founder and co-host, Martin McGovern, a.k.a. Marty McFly. This is Discover Your Inner Awesome, the only show where you get to eavesdrop on conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, and musicians about the stories, the journeys, the struggles, but most importantly, the questions, the questions that help us all better understand who we are, what we're doing, and how we can do it better. In this episode, we sit down with Colin Robertson, the founder of willpower.co, and talk about something that's been on all of our minds recently as we think about the future of our businesses and what we enjoy doing, and that is asking the question, how do you balance business with pleasure? Before we dive in, I want to send an invitation. If you're not a member already, head on over to idealemon.com, join our dope tribe there. All you got to do is enter your email address. It's totally free. You will never miss an episode of this show, as well as be in touch with all the cool stories we share around building your brand, doing what's right for you, and answering questions like this. All right, let's dive in now to our conversation with Colin Robertson. How do you balance business with pleasure? Let's listen in. It's on my mind because I really love writing. I love getting my creative uh, self out. And doing that every single morning was part of the reasons why I started uh, writing content online. And then I started to get a little bit too into the business side. I started worrying too much about what the metrics were rather than allowing my uh, allowing the reason why I got into uh, blogging in the first place and the reason you know my customers are coming to me uh, or readers are coming to me and uh, reading my content you know 
that started getting out of flux. So it was a matter of, well, I guess, where did you start with the, in terms of the content? And then how did it start to get jumbled up? Uh, sure. So I started writing uh, a thousand words per day, and that's really what helped me build up an audience. And uh, it started getting jumbled up when I probably would say at the end of at the end of 2015. I started I started writing in October of 2014, creating content more and more and more and more. And then I got too obsessed about uh, customers because at that point I was making more money and I wanted to see how can I go to the next level with this thing. And that's when I focus on the business side more than the, the content side. What was the turning point that you realized, okay, this isn't going the direction I want it to go? Hmm. Like, I would say, yeah, it was when I released my book and I learned, uh, learned what like self, the self-publishing world was, was really like. Um, I figured like you release your book and then uh, things are, or things are all going to happen and everything happened great at first, like when I first launched it. But then after that, there was a big lull that I wasn't expecting. Um, and then after that was when I, w- when I started to question like, okay, how can I make this all work? Well, I will say that I think with anything there, <laughs> and, I, and I think we've learned this too, there is no, it's just all going to happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. And, and I think it's, definitely that's like a, that's a bubble that I think everyone lives in for a while that gets burst like until the point when you realize, Oh shit, you still have to make shit happen. It's not just going to happen on its own because like, like I think it's interesting that a few months ago we were featured in the Huffington post and kind of like within that same string of being featured in the Huffington post, we hit our point of like, our sales aren't great and we got to make some changes to, and and make this a side business again. But you, you kind of like go into it and, and I, and I know I could tell you like with certainty, like if this was a year ago or two years ago and we were featured in Huffington Post, I would have been like to the moon and hmm. just been like, yes, it's all falling into place. But then like this time I was almost like prepared for it because we had had some media coverage otherwise, um, mm-hmm. in, you know, over the last year. And it was like it happened. We were like, cool, got to keep put our heads down and keep working. But I know yeah. like, only because we were we were like prepared for it because we had been featured in like Chicago Ideas Week and other blogs and, you know, pretty significant publications, I'd say otherwise before to where I thought when those happened, I'd be like, oh, man, customers are just going to start flooding towards us. But that just doesn't happen. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, those those like points where uh, you take off that two of those happened to me. Um, first one was about six months in, I wrote a, uh, article that went viral. It got like, I don't know, a hundred thousand, uh, visitors within like a month with just that article. And that was the first real like jumping off point. And then I'm like, okay, if that's, if that's going to go viral, then this other one is going to go viral and this is going to become the next best thing, uh, on the internet. Right. Um, but then of course it wasn't, and it went to another lull, uh, for a long time until I did a Kickstarter campaign. Uh, to launch my book and raised a whole bunch of money through pre-orders for that. And that was the next inflection point. And I thought that was going to be the jumping off point. But uh, I've come to understand that it's a lot of feast and famine in the, uh, in the content publishing game. 
It's really interesting, and I, I, I wonder, because, you know, this world of, you know, online entrepreneurship, a lot of it is about PR and seeking PR. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we learned is the big chasm between PR and sales. And I think that's kind sure. of what you were referencing, Raj, with uh, the Huffington Post. It's like, we couldn't even get that excited about it because we're like, we know this won't translate to sales. <laughs> We need sure. to get back to work and focus on on the business side of it. And it's like back, you know, when we first started, something like that would put us over the moon, as you say, Raj, because everything was so exciting and just being sure. talked about is is exciting. And I think um, one of the things that I've come to really appreciate over the years are the companies that are like the quiet growers in the background. Mm -hmm. Like like the ones who aren't getting much press, who aren't on the you know on the front of every uh, Chicago inno or anything like that. Um, the ones who who just have, um, and that's the hard thing. They're like they're not the big <laughs> names, right? Sure. But it's I've met a lot of people who you don't know, and then you actually talk to them about their business, and it's like, oh wow, that's a really solid business. And so off the top mm. of my head, because those names are like. They're not ones I read every day. I can't remember the names of the sure. businesses. But those people yeah. have really... Okay, I've got one. Uh, what was it? Oh, shoot, 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 shoot. Um, people Foundry. Like, People Foundry mm. isn't making a huge splash in the news, but they are growing, from what I can tell, year over year quite a bit because mm -hmm. everything that they get is word of mouth from customers. So... Mm. One customer, or sorry, referrals from other customers. So they make one customer happy, that customer refers another customer. And it grows without having to, without needing mass market coverage because sure. the actual delivery of the service is so good, or at least from what I'm reading, right, um, in, the, in the deep web that I had to go to find this, um, that that's sort of... Yeah, their, their business model is based off of like, you do such a good job that someone refers another person. It's not the newspaper headline, it's the, it's the next sale. Sure, that, that is definitely something I remember from being in the Chicago startup community, um, which was like four years ago. Uh, the ones who were standouts to everyone weren't necessarily the ones that were making the most actual revenue and building their companies the right way. Yeah, Twitter still hasn't made any money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're a publicly so, traded stocks. So I don't know if that's a fair analogy. <laughs> no, they yeah. have no revenue. No, like that was a big article that came out recently of like people being worried because all these other platforms are coming up and Twitter still hasn't figured out how to make rev enough revenue to justify all of the, all of the, you know, everything they've done over the years. Yeah. Huh. I will say, I mean, I, I do still like receiving press. Like, I don't think it's a bad thing or anything like that. And I do enjoy when it happens, but I think now the difference is my expectation has changed. It's more of like, a, sure. ah, cool. It's, it's a cool nod. I can share it on some platforms. Maybe we'll get a few followers or a few subscribers out of it. But so what did you guys get from uh, from that press? So from business perspective, more than just like vanity, what did you get from it? I don't think we had a hard metric tied to it, to be honest, because we didn't. Um, OK. You know, we didn't have like a unique link linked back to us okay. when that interview was, was featured because it was, you know, it was an interview on us. It wasn't like a, a, a guest post that we wrote. Mm -hmm. um, OK. 
I mean, it was shared a ton. Like that's what I'll say. Like everyone we know was like sharing that article and being like, Oh, so proud of these guys. Um, sure. And I, I would well, venture to say well, we got some followers out of it. The, I think the big thing though, what you said, it's like, it still feels good to get press. Right. And I think yes. that's the difference between business and pleasure. Press feels good. And that's why it's <laughs> pleasure. Whereas business doesn't feel good. Business is a grind. <laughs> business is yeah. slow growth. Business is relationship building. And that's not like instantaneous gratification that we're all trained uh, with our social media upbringing to, to seek out. And I think that there's mm-hmm. a big difference. And that's, the, that's, in my mind, what separates the business and the pleasure. The pleasure is all that fun stuff that comes when your business is doing well. And, you know, it's sometimes fun stuff that comes when your business isn't doing well, but no one knows that because it just sounds good. And, and then the business piece is, is all the hard work, the, the grind that you've got to do day to day in order to even feel good about that press. Sure. And it's also confronting some brutal facts about what actually uh, your customers actually want and, you know, confronting the fact that, yes, even though Huffington Post feels good, it's not really helping the bottom line. Um, and focusing on that type of stuff, uh, it's not always fun. <laughs> yeah, it's Millhouse. My mom says I'm cool. I specifically said no geeks. But my mom says I'm cool. Next. <laughs> You're still Millhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, and I, I think along those lines... Specifically, I think on the content creation angle, um, last year at this time, I was, you know, releasing our podcast every week and then writing and releasing our newsletter slash blog. Like I was like Mm -hmm. podcast Monday and then newsletter Tuesday night, newsletter Thursday night. And that was so incredibly satisfying to do that. Like I just I was like, I was just this like content creation machine for sure. a solid like four or five months in a row. And, mm-hmm. but I will honestly say, and obviously Martin can attest to this, there wasn't much of a business happening at that time. We were, we were beta, t- beta testing our online course. So I guess there was something going on, but there wasn't like a steady revenue stream or anything like that. And sure. outside of like the initial, like whatever you call it, the, the upfront payment that our beta students gave us, um, of like 89 bucks a person. Um, if it, it did feel great when those payments first started coming in. Cause that's like, I, I, I do think there's so much psychologically that happens when you get a PayPal notification. Oh um, yeah. Totally. Or, I guess at that point we were on Venmo, which made taxes ridiculous <laughs> this year, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, but you know, you do get a nice, like, Oh, this, this well, that money is not here. <laughs> <laughs> you do get that nice, like, wow, like we're starting to make money. This is great. But yeah. there's a big difference. And this is something I think that we've, we've learned over the, this year is I don't think making money is that hard, but continuously making money is what's hard. Like sure. Making money once is not a problem. I don't think it's, can you get someone to pay you over and over again? Or can you create a steady stream of new customers? That's where the, that's the, where the difficulty lies, especially in the content world. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, you're basically living product launch to product launch, at least from what I from what I saw, uh, looking back on everything, was just like whenever I'm launching something, that's when people are interested. But if I'm trying to market what I have <laughs> and trying to increase the passive income and actually build, 
that's when uh, people aren't really that excited about what I'm publishing anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, interesting. And, and Raj. Yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. No, I, I had nothing, actually. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, and this was something that we were talking about uh, about a week ago. Um, there's good money and there's bad money, right? Good money informs your next choice and bad money distracts mm. you. And so I think in a lot of the content world, uh, people chase bad money. They chase uh, any, any, it's like any source of money is good money. And so you're doing a speech here, you're doing a workshop there, you're doing a, a book here and a podcast there and a, and a thing here. And sometimes you'll make money off them. And I think that sure. starts to muddle what the actual core source of revenue is. Whereas good money yeah. is repeatable money off of one source. And in, in the way that I look at all businesses and especially product businesses, like you said, when there's a product to launch, everything's, everything feels good. You've got customers mm -hmm. coming in. You've got things happening. But they buy the product once and, they can, and the, you know, there's no reason for them to ever pay you again after that. Yeah. And unless you what create we find something out, again. Unless you create something new. And so mm -hmm. there's no recurring revenue. Like even Coke, even though it's a product, like there's recurring revenue, right? You buy Coke, you mm -hmm. buy another Coke. But you, you don't buy an online course or a book and then buy the book again. I mean, maybe for yeah. a friend or something. But you're, you're not buying like 17 copies for yourself. Um, mm -hmm. And so this is, I, I think just in general, as I'm like really analyzing businesses lately, what I start noticing is that the businesses that do the best are the ones who figure out recurring revenue um, yeah. over product revenue. Sure, that definitely makes sense, uh, especially with how noisy the content world has gotten. Uh, I mean, you're just you are one of many uh, emails in that person's inbox, and if your content is not good enough to stand out again, then they're not going to buy from you again. And I think too, and and I'll say I think we do just based on people who read our stuff and what they tell us, like we do a good job of standing out in a person's inbox and writing things that are sure. high quality and value to people. But, um, this is, and this is where you start to divide that line of business or pleasure. Like, am I writing this to help people? And cause it's fun or because I'm yeah. trying to lead this to a sale because when it's trying to lead to a sale, then you're creating a funnel, right? And there's a, sure. there's a linear path that you're trying to, you know, like you're trying to get someone through this mental progression of something uh, mm -hmm. and last summer when I was on that, just that, you know, that four or five month kick of just banging out content, mm -hmm. I was not necessarily trying, I was, I was just focused on how do I just help people and provide really good, valuable information, but there was no linear path to it. And I think, sure. and, and that was more fun was writing in that fashion when it was yeah. like, um, here's how you be like Jay-Z one week and here's how you manage your time really well the next week. Um, hmm. just, and just basing it off of like, what do people react to? What do they like? But it wasn't sure. like over the next four to six emails this month, I'm trying to get them from point a of this is a, this is what a personal brand is to, you know, email yeah. six of buy this product now, because we've been talking about this one thing over the last, you know, four weeks. Sure. I, I mean, it's, it's such an interesting balance because I wrote uh, or I created an entire course around creativity. And I love writing about creativity. And I love uh, figuring out how to use my willpower to push beyond my creative list limits and stuff like that. 
and I published it to crickets. And the reason why is because nobody comes to my site thinking about creativity. They think about exercise and they think about being more productive and stuff like that. They didn't associate the two, even though I did. Uh, so you need to figure out enough to make sure that the that the passion that you're bringing to that type of content is on the things that they they really care about. But <laughs> but you can't spend too much time uh, focusing on that. It's it's just such a delicate balance. And the flip side for us is since we spent so long, because like we didn't start Idea 11 four years ago with the intention of starting an online business or having a course sure. or anything like that. You know, it was a interesting side project that we started to, sure. to to connect people and give ourselves a way to meet people and do interesting things. Right. So mm-hmm. our Those audience skills. has been hodgepodge from so many different types of things over the years that. Um, interesting we've had to like clarify like this is what we are sure it wasn't like naturally like like willpower everyone is coming to willpower to improve their willpower and you like you said they are not coming there to learn about creativity necessarily Mm -hmm. for us people have come to us about personal branding people have come to us about um how to launch a side business or side project People have come to us about people have come to us about how to make new friends. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, so we've been like the hodgepodge of everything with our audience, which, which then that made it a difficult sales process when we did our first few launches of our course, because sure it's, we solved for everything. Yeah. 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 That's, that's really interesting. Um, I definitely have seen how, uh, different customers have come to me at different times based on, I mean, the, the material that you write is just going to be, you know, on the problems that you see at that point in your life. Uh, and so you are going to, I think you're just going to have to accept the fact that you're going to accumulate somewhat of a different audience. Um, as I move on from, from Will Powered, uh, I'm moving on to a new uh, startup. And now it's going to be a lot like it's going to be much more of just my personal blog and how I use that to help me in the new venture. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'm going to start losing people because that. of that or what, but I know that it's the only thing that I'm going to be able to write about. So what do you foresee that looking like? Uh, or are you just as far as my by personal ear? blog? Yeah. I... I, I mean, you guys, you guys know it. It's you write yeah. about the things that are going on, and I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to be using my willpower down the road, but I know for a fact that I will be, and I'll want to write about it. I like that because it makes it more personal for you. And like, I don't know. I look. One of the things I've been thinking about lately is uh, trying to find the human parts of the internet. Sure. Um, and we, you know, a lot of these sites, the, the further and further you get away from those initial passionate posts, the more and more it becomes a business and the less and less human it starts to seem. The more yeah. people are using like extreme absolutes and saying this is the only way because you have to like stand out amongst the noise, right? So you get more sure. and more extremists as you go on all these different websites. And then I go and see something like Casey Neistat's blog or, or sorry, vlog. Or, or things like that on YouTube where I don't think he has an agenda. He just mm-hmm. is, his, his entire goal is to create one awesome video story per day. 
Mm. and release that on YouTube. And he's a filmmaker, so it makes perfect sense. He's, you know, honing his skills, building his network, creating a following. But people aren't following him. Some people are following him to learn how to shoot vlogs. Some people are following him just be, I mean, I'm not trying to become a, a camp, like a photographer, but I follow him because I just find what he does interesting. Um, sure. And so it's kind of interesting as you kind of get away from having to write about willpower and solving other people's problems um, mm-hmm. in, in their own life with willpower and just switching it back to here's how I'm using it and sort of leading by example. It almost rehumanizes what you're doing, which is even easier to relate to, I think. Sometimes and it's easier to write too. Um, yeah, that was a that was a big thing that I learned uh, as I was starting to do, be more personal and starting to open up about okay, these are the strategies that work for me, and this is why. I used to just write about okay, this is how Kobe Bryant uses his willpower or Arnold Schwarzenegger or whatever. Um, once I started using my own stories, that's was just so much more pleasure uh, in writing and it just became so much easier. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, um, it puts the heart back into it, you know? Uh, sure. Like another example of Martin is the Wait But Why blog. Like mm-hmm. they, they have a Patreon, but it's, it's a non-for-profit, like whatever you want to call it, blog. And that guy just focuses on just writing really interesting things about society. Um, hmm. Like what? Like it's it's either so like he has a three part series that went up towards the end of last year about he he actually scored an interview with Elon Musk and it was all about like what goes on in Elon Musk's mind but how does that relate (laughs) to the planet how does that relate to his businesses etc and like because of those blogs I now understand like really understand what Elon Musk is trying to do and I understand to a not fully but way more than I did before like carbon emissions and that kind of stuff. Or sure. he did one, he did like a three part series on just ranking the U S presidents and just explaining all these things. People wouldn't know about these presidents otherwise, just cause that's what he's interested in. And that's what he likes to talk about. Sure. And, he, and he's uh, kind of known for the fact that he'll write like 10,000 word posts. So he only writes like once every two, three months, but okay. <laughs> it's so heavily trafficked because they're such interesting posts. And he actually just sent an email today saying he's going to test something out called wait, but high the blog is called wait, but why, but he's testing something out called wait, but high, which is like global meetups around the country for wait, but why readers. But he's like, but even with this, he's like, again, this is a whole like non-for-profit venture for us. So you've got to fill out this application. Tell us the type of thing you'd like to participate in based on that. We're going to pick a handful of people in different locations and create like an event that you would like to go to. And you, all you have to do is just pay like a $10 administration fee. Um, and he's just doing these things as just like experiments. And just cause he's interested in doing them, not because hmm. he's in the pursuit of profit. Sure. And this still led to, he did a Ted talk earlier this year um, because he just, you know, his blog popularity got so high and, you know, there are, there are both sides to it. It's like, could he choose to make money off it and be very successful? I think so. Um, could he keep it how it is and still continue to be successful? Yeah, that happens as well. It's like, do you want to go the quote unquote internet marketer, online entrepreneur route, or do you want to stick to, this is a project, you know, it's almost like, do you define, is it project or is it business? Sure. 
uh, I, I think what what conclusions I'm coming to from our conversation about what the uh, what the answer is is that once you start creating content that is you know along that sales funnel where you think about the the customers like uh, customer thinking in going through a sales funnel and finally buying something that's when you have a problem but as long as you are writing what you want to write about that you realize that your customers actually want, that isn't sales focused, but it's, uh, it's what they want, that's how you write about willpower, not creativity, without you know, making the sales funnel work. Does that make sense? I think it does. And I also want to add, it, it depends as well, because if you want to become the company that is making sales funnels, then you i think the 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 hard part is that we look back and realize that that happened but i think if it was more of a stake in the ground at the time of saying like putting the stake in the ground this is now transitioning from fun to business and everything mm-hmm. moving forward is focused on the business and we're making this a real business it takes away the um the the chasm that that forms once you you split directions and so you still have that I want this to be something from my heart something for fun and you still have that in you you never told that to be quiet but then you just added the layer of business on top of it without reconciling and I think if you keep moving forward in that way that's where the tension starts happening and one day you're doing a passionate post the next day you're doing a business post and it gets very confusing but I think mm-hmm. if, if, there's a, if there's a line drawn of like, or from the beginning, you're like, this is only passion, or from the beginning, this is only business, I think that there are ways to kind of approach it. Like, wait, but why always was saying we're going to be a nonprofit for fun kind of a thing. And on top of that, it's, well, and this is something I think we've talked about on a couple previous episodes, Martin, but. It's starting to figure out because in the process of, of building the business side of it, we figured out a lot of things that we do enjoy even within that. But then it's sure. it's almost like there are elements to the to the business that you can really enjoy, um, but that doesn't necessarily make it a strong overall business. And like our okay. I think our 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 big example is. The first 80 something, I think 83 days this year, we worked, we worked 83 straight days developing the alpha version of our course. Okay. And it was like, it was like tense. It was stressful, but it was also awesome at the same time. Like we knew every single day we were, when we were coming in exactly what we were doing, we had this like process down that we like had fine tuned over the course of building it over 10 weeks or whatever it was. And, uh, we really enjoyed that process of creating the material. And I think, and almost probably because we sort of, we started to treat it as we're, we're, we looked at it as like, we're creating a TV show episode each week. Like we'd have like the outline, we'd have like, like I'd go write the script. We'd have a quote unquote table reading. We called it that we'd revise the script. Then we'd record. Uh, and this all happened over a seven day period. And we really enjoyed that. And in that hustle of doing that, we had very little time to dedicate to sales. So every sale okay. that came in was like, yes, you know, cause it's something we weren't focused on and it was still happening. Yeah. Then the creation ends and it's like, all right, now it's the only focus is sales. And you, we started to lose some of that 
that drive and that focus and that um, almost that passion to it to to a sense. Um, sure. And I still think you know that there are ways to make it work, and there are, um, you know, if you if, you, you, guys, if you gut something you out guys, a little bit longer. But sorry, let me just, let me just how do you finish just the look thought. At success. How do you guys look at success in all of the things that we like? You know, we've all created lots of different things over, over the years. How do you gauge the success of those different things? There's like the short term, the long term. We're talking about the transitions that we're going through today. So clearly we've put a line in the sand <laughs> and are, are figuring out the next phase of things. Um, but I'm sure. curious, along, along the way, what were the milestones or what were the things that you were counting as success or not success? That's a really good question. Um, focusing on like living off of off of my blog, a lot of the success was simply creating great things that people want to buy. Um, and in the process of doing that, I was creating the things that I was really, really passionate about and everything like that. But success to me was always, you know, number of subscribers, uh, how do they feel about like my latest article or my book or my course? Is it working for them? And are they actually willing to, uh, to pay for these things that those were all the metrics of success on my end. Yeah. And for me, I think there's a, there's a handful of things. Like I find success when we get a bunch of responses to a newsletter I put out where people sure. are like, I love this. Here are my thoughts on it, you know? Cause I'm like, okay, we've mm-hmm. engaged with them. But I also find success in, like, you know, again, if I got, it's, it's nice to get those PayPal notifications, right? Like I like mm-hmm. that we, like, we did create a product that we proved we could sell. Many people never get to that point. And I think there's success there as well. And, and even more than that, I find a great deal of pride and joy when one of our students posts in our, you know, in our community, in our Facebook group, like just launched my project yesterday. Here it is. I feel so pumped about this. I couldn't have gotten here without this course. And like, that's sure. where I do like, I'll do like a fist bump at my computer when I read those kinds of things. Cause it's like, you know, we, we help someone get to that next level they were looking to get to. Um, but one of the things I've been thinking about over the last couple of days is actually this concept. It was brought up. I don't know if you listen to the unmistakable creative podcast, Colin. I'm not really a podcast person. All right. Um, well then get off of our show. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mostly listen to audiobooks. Yeah, no, all good. So the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, they, uh, Srini, the host of that show, he had a guest on um, probably like a month and a half ago or maybe two months ago Okay, who was talking about, uh, I, I think Srini had posed the question around like, does everyone need to do something they're passionate about? And the okay. guest, what she said, she was like, honestly... I think it's less about passion and more about doing something that makes you useful. And that Mm. has been swirling around in my mind a lot the last several days because when we were, you know, that that 80 something straight day run when we were creating the course, we were passionate about it, but we also felt very useful. Sure. When you're in sales mode and sales aren't coming in as you project and expect, you start to feel less useful and, and perhaps to the point of yeah. uselessness. And I, and I, it's almost like that's something that I'm starting to look at is like, is that what success might be is 
the fact that you are you feel like you're useful to something i i mean i think that's a great great point um do you guys know who jim collins is yeah uh, a while ago, I, I'm, I'm just a huge Jim's Col- Jim Collins fan, and he said uh, that the problem in life is is that most people are focused on being successful rather than being useful. Mm. And uh, this is a great reminder of that as I move on to the next stage. And I, I, I think that was that was the problem is that uh, when I was focusing on success and not being useful, that's when things started to unravel. Martin, what's your uh, take on success? I, I mean, I like that point because um, I remember having conversations uh, where we would say, all right, so here's all the things that we do for people for free right now. What things do we need to monetize in order for this to continue running, right? Hmm. And it was like, well, we should probably not do so many meetups because no one pays for meetups and you can't really make money off events. So let's cut back mm-hmm. on that and focus because it's all about focusing your energy. There's only so many hours a day, right? And mm-hmm. so we ended up being less useful in certain people's lives because those were um, areas that couldn't make money. And when you're trying to build a business, you need to focus on revenue. And so if you're trying to build a passionate community, uh, regardless of how much money you make off of it, then you can go do all the free meetups you want. You know, you can charge $10 for weight but high administration costs and not worry about the overhead. Um, but I think one of the big things is uh, if you do take a step back and ask how can I be useful, you can actually find far more lucrative ways to be truly useful with those skills because sometimes... Um, there's a job that will pay you to put on events that will make people's lives better or something like that, right? And sometimes we get so myopic in thinking I need to do, well, especially in the businesses that we were in, like I need to create another online course, I need to create another blog post, I need to create another thing versus, well, what is the way that someone can make a living off of this, off, off of solving this problem, right? Sure. And one of the big things that I keep my ears open for with everyone I've talked to recently is what is a problem that this person has either personally or professionally that I can help solve? And I haven't always, like, I've always known that's a good way to approach, like, I don't know, networking or, or coffee meetups or things like that. But it hasn't always clicked because I never knew, like, in the back of my head, I thought, well, I can't be useful if someone needs, like, a babysitter or something, right? Um, but now I try and keep my ears open for like, I don't know, maybe someone's like, oh, my, my, I have so much trouble getting home to, to let my dog out or pick my dog up or something like that. Um, I don't know what my solution would be for that, but I would definitely keep more of an ear open for it uh, these days versus saying, oh, I just make online courses. Like, that's not something I can help with. Sure. Uh, that is a great uh, point because that is what uh, I'm moving on to the next thing with is... I uh, love like some of the scientists that I follow, that I've been reading their books, books on, publications, etc., that, that I put into my own work. They're like heroes to me. And uh, what I'm doing next is trying to be uh, or trying to turn their uh, research into a profitable online course that uh, you know we create on a regular basis because th- those guys don't even know that they can get their word out to the public 
and be useful to the public in the same way uh, as or in more ways than just writing a book. Uh, and trying to be useful to them was, was what sparked that whole idea. So and in that case, it's more like uh, academia, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's yeah. really interesting, too. And it's like you you're creating it to give these scientists a way to get the insane findings they've come up with out into the world. Exactly. I mean, the the online uh, course world is full of people like us. We have useful things to say, but we're not the true experts out there. And they've been, you know, they've been researching their uh, ideas for 40 years and they have more to say to us than just a book. Um, and I can't wait to learn what it, what they have to say when they have, you know, the, the power and tools that we have at our disposal and create and can create online courses from that. I love it because you've found a way to be able to continue creating courses, but not have to just, you know, oh, I learned a new thing today. Now I have to go create a course around it. Exactly. You actually get to, you, yeah, you get to work with your heroes. That's awesome. I know it's 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 been a great experience so far. I just need to I need to figure out how to get their message to audiences like mine uh, that are looking for it um, because there's just a lot of questions to answer there. And I will say too, like that, and I I had brought this up on a, a previous podcast, but I'll say it again here is um that's that's what has bugged me about the you know, the internet marketer online course world is, mm-hmm. and it's not something I saw until you start to like take a step back and be like, Whoa, what am I getting involved in here? Um, sure. Is that, that mindset. And I say this with the caveat that like, I fully believe in what Martin and I created. Cause there's a lot of like, there's a lot of years that went into like the creation of that material, but there's sure. so much of the, I learned this thing a week ago. Now I'm the expert on it and I'm going to show yeah. you how I did it. And the sample size is one, like you, the person, like if, you've only done it for yourself and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the selling point, the first guy that um, I reached out to, it was the top uh, researcher on the science of willpower, best selling author. Basically, this guy has 39 years of experience. He has a best-selling book. He has like over 50 publications, uh, various textbooks, actual books, stuff like that. And he has zero online course revenue versus me over the last year. I've, I've made $34,000 off of online courses. And I only have three years of experience. And I don't even have a relevant degree. So there are so many other people out there uh, like me who it's, it's not like I have... I'm not going to be able to teach people something where they don't get value out of my courses, but think about how much more value he can provide given his background. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And on top of that too, I think, and to that, I, you know, again, the, the base concept here of the, the business and the pleasure aspect, when you're going through it with the business mindset, especially with these, you know, the culture of millions of internet marketers popping up every day. And mm-hmm. those people who are like, you know, like they're like, oh, I guess, you know, I guess I know how to do this. Let me teach other people how to do it. Um, yeah. You also people start like like the creators of those things start to become like it's almost like they're not entrepreneurial at all in the sense that they won't 
take any step forward unless they've received like the blessing or like have seen someone else do it already and they don't take any mm. risks. It's only like, it's like, Oh, someone used that email script. Now I'm going to use that email script for my thing or someone's using oh, yeah. that funnel. I'm going to use that for mine. And, and I think you yeah. almost like, cause you go, you start to get scared cause you're like, I, I don't want to rock the boat. I'm just, I'm trying to make some money off this. So I don't want to rock the boat or do anything sure. that hasn't been, you know, blessed by the Ramit Sethi's and the Lewis Howes of the world. Um, and, and kind of our transition, like, you know, over the last month or whatever, like we've released uh, rap videos where I explain things by rapping them. And sure. that's something that if we were still in our full profit mode, I don't think we would have done because we would have been like, ah, is that like, <laughs> you know, that seems risky. Is that, is that something that's going to help us with sales? Sure. But when it's let's create interesting things that people want to see and that are helpful to people. Um, you know, and it was like, we had people send us questions that they had on their mind and we're like, all right, let's just make interesting ways to respond. Raps. Awesome. Sure. And that's something <laughs> that like, now we're standing out more because of that. And we're not worried about what's the ROI behind this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely that you can, anybody can come online and start reading all of the content they need to start marketing. Um, and you can get so lost in that online marketing content of wondering like, okay, how can I make this more efficient? How can I get this in front of more people, et cetera, that you forget about the need. Like these other people that had so much success, they probably had a good product that they were selling. They probably had good, a good audience that liked what they were selling too. And you can get lost in like, will this strategy help me with my audience? Mm -hmm. I also think that there is a severe misconception similar to, to like the startup world, um, as we were saying earlier, where, you know, there are companies, they, they all get, yeah. so in the startup world, it's very clear. You, we celebrate everyone getting VC funded, but we don't celebrate the people that are like bootstrapping with revenue. And yeah. there's a, I think in the online world and the online space, that's a similar thing. Like you, you think, Oh, this person seems successful online, so they must be raking in hundreds of thousands, you know, a month or something like crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, but re in reality, if you actually go talk to any of those people, everyone's, you know, trying to figure out how to make money, how to grow, how to how to how to do things on a day to day basis, and and you know that's where we start to get stressed out about the business side. And I really think, um, as you were talking earlier about this new venture that you're putting together. It, it sounds like the the real. If we're going to talk about um, business or pleasure, the thing that you really enjoyed was uh, listening to these audiobooks and reading stuff from these experts. And now you're finding a way to bring that business skill of creating courses to the actual thing that you love doing. Maybe even more so than writing, which is uh, learning from these experts. Uh, I'm just uh, that's something that seemed to come across in what you were saying. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I loved reading their material, and my goal was how do I make this available so that everyone can see how, you know, the science behind all of these topics and how, uh, what the research says about these easier ways that you can implement, uh, implement things in your life and use your willpower more effectively. And that applied across many different domains that I also researched, like addiction, um, fear, all that type of stuff. And 
now I realize that I just wanted to have those ideas in the minds of the public. And yeah. I can do that much better when I'm marketing their ideas that are already better than mine and, uh, and making that happen and everybody wins. Yeah, and so the new venture is truly mixing the business and the pleasure together instead of having a, tug, uh, a push and pull between the two. Exactly. And are you joining someone else's venture with that or it's a, it's a venture you're starting? No, it was, it was what I realized when I was like, okay, willpower is not going to be able to, uh, I'm not going to be able to earn a living off of this anymore. It's time to move on to something else. Uh, and then I was going to go back to marketing consulting. I said, oh, I don't want to really market someone else's stupid startup idea. <laughs> and so I said, can I market ideas that I want, to, that I actually believe in? And that's what it led to that. Mm. So then yeah. you, just, like, it's, it's, you just reached out to like the scientists then or? Yeah, I, uh, I put the idea through, through the ringer of like how, how can I prove my value to them? And originally I was going to do agency, but I realized just how many uh, even best-selling authors that are, um, that are academic professionals, how many of them don't have online courses and aren't publishing to a modern-day audience um, and just relying on those books and... I saw a bigger opportunity there. There's still a lot I need to need to work out, um, and I'm trying to do it slow and uh, and right, so I don't mess anything up. Because this is so perfect a business <laughs> for me, uh, and and that's where I'm at right now. So, will you still be, I guess, the one who's in charge of the numbers, uh, the business numbers side of things? Uh, yeah, I, I suppose so, but. The great thing about this is uh, the business is just kind of going to happen naturally um, as long as we get ideas from the researchers to the public. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think you're, you're not the one who's creating the original content. So it's not, no. you're not having to battle with like, do I get to write about something I'm super passionate about today or do I have to create this funnel? instead yeah the the big question is whether or not these guys are going to be willing to create their own online course or if i'm gonna have to create it or what i have no idea mm -hmm. yeah and it sounds like your point you found a you found a fire to pour gasoline on rather than trying to light a match every day yeah mm, i like that <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's an interesting one uh that that analogy is interesting because I, I think that applies yeah. to a lot of things because um I was just talking to someone the other day. I can't remember who I was talking to someone though. And they kept saying like, they have to like start everything, you know, like they, 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 they came at me with like 10 different ideas. And I'm like, does any of this already exist that you can latch onto instead of driving yourself crazy, figuring out how do I build this from the ground up? Sure. What, were they just trying to figure out any kind of place where they can build a business or was it something that uh, they had a well, they had a really good understanding of the problem? Uh, it was more like, you know, like the idea, happy people who are like, oh, I could do this. I could do this. I could do this. I, idea, idea, itis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that's such an interesting thing is like you think the idea is first, but it's so much the problem, the problem that comes first and then figuring out the idea from there. And I think, too, the uh, 
the, the, the type of person who's in that situation and this part, person in particular, it was like super dissatisfied with their current job. And I think what's been perpetuated is that the only escape is becoming an entrepreneur. <laughs> and and I, I think that's just like backwards ass logic. Like, and I was actually talking to another friend of mine who is on a founding team for a startup and is very successful as a freelance designer. Um, he was like getting, he, we were having this conversation. He was just getting super like heated about these people who are like, yeah, I think I want to be an entrepreneur. And it's like, that's not how it works. It's like you start doing something well and it's like you almost like fall into entrepreneurship. You don't just say one day, yeah. I want to be an entrepreneur. Okay, idea, let's go. <laughs> yeah, I think the, yeah, the new phrase, the new uh, cliche phrase that everyone's going to, if it's not already so overused, it's cliche, it's uh, fall in love with the problem, not the solution. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. too many of us say, oh my gosh, I want to be an entrepreneur that does branding for people. And then we never actually know what the problem that we're trying to solve is, which is what kind of we did a little bit with Idealman. And, uh, or, or we say, like, this is the solution. Now let's go find the people that have the problem that can be solved with this solution. Um, yeah. And it's just backwards because then you can't change. You're stuck in your solution. And if no one has that problem, then you've got nowhere to go. You have to completely stop and start again. Uh, but sure. if you pick a problem that you want to solve, you can say, hey, people need help uh, getting more done in their life. These experts are already solving it. I can put, I can get behind these experts and really get their message out there. And like, there's a thousand different ways to do that. And they're using Booked right now, but a better way to do it. So, like, you already found, like, these experts need to get their information out to the world. That's the problem. There's a barrier yep. between their, their minds and the world. Books are the current solution. You're saying that's the problem. Books are trying to solve it. They're not doing a good enough job. Here's my mm -hmm. way of doing it. And if that yeah, doesn't work, you find another. And if that doesn't work, you find another and things like that. Mm -hmm. And if I were to come from the outside I, and someone told me, oh, I, I help, you know, or I want to create online courses for professors, you would just think, like, that's already solved. You know, there's Coursera and all that other kind of stuff. So if you went with the solution and you didn't really understand the problem first, you would think there's no business here, but you have to, you have to realize that that isn't the issue. Totally. Yeah. All right. We've got to wrap up. <laughs> um, Colin, before we do let our listeners know, I mean, you've talked about it a good amount already, but do you maybe just give like a short yeah. summary of what's next for you and where they can find you? Sure. So you can still find me at my blog uh, at willpowered.co. Um, this next venture that I'm working on, uh, hopefully by the time you listen to it, we're, uh, I've got the idea all figured out, but I, I doubt it, um, is reverberation.co. You love those .co's. Yeah, it was originally going to be the um, it was going to be the agency thing. I was like, oh, well, I'll just do that or that and that, and that'll just be like my thing. Um, so I'm going to see whether or not I should move on to something else, but that's what it is for right now. Mm. All I'm right. Coco.co. Coco. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, so then to wrap up, we'll go one by one, giving our respective responses to this question based on what we've discussed over the last hour, starting with Martin. Uh, Martin, how do you balance business with pleasure? Uh, I'll just stick with the cliche. 
um, find a problem that you think is really fun to solve and then solve it in as many different ways as possible. Uh, see which one's the most lucrative and make a business. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my answer, how do you balance business with pleasure? I think it's two things. Number one, uh, I think it's stating up front, is this something I am trying to profit off of or not? And I think if you have that line in the sand from the start, you will start to make decisions that are business-minded or pleasure-minded. Uh, and then number two, I, I want to come back to the idea of doing what makes you useful. Because um, I think if you do that, it doesn't have to be the fact that you are the one starting the business because you can be, you can feel and be very useful doing many other things where maybe someone else has started the business. Um, and you find, you'll probably find great pleasure in that as well. Cause you don't have to worry about, you know, all the nuances and the numbers. Colin, sure. how do you balance business with pleasure? So I'll I'll go in a different direction than you guys, and I'll say find people that you really want to help, because that's where uh, I went with this, and I'm really loving every minute of it so far. Awesome, Colin Robertson, Willpower.co/slash/reverberation.co. Thanks for joining us. Don't don't type that into the search bar though. That'll <laughs> confuse the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being on the show, Colin. Thanks for having me, guys. That was my interview with Rajan Martin, the founders of Idea Lemon. You can check out all of their work on idealemon.com. One year later, I still believe that the best way to mix business with pleasure is to work with people who you respect and genuinely want to help. I count myself extremely lucky that I get to do that every day by collaborating with experts on building the programs for Educo Community. You can check out all of these programs at educocommunity.com and listen to my conversations with these experts by subscribing to the Educo Community Podcast. That's it for now. I will see you all next week.